0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, August 11th, 2020. I'm Caleb Brown. The president and many members of Congress are hoping to punish big tech firms for what they believe is anti-conservative bias. The latest order from the White House to the FCC on this calls the alleged treatment online censorship. Cato's Will Duffield argues that problems of big tech firms should be better understood before we leap to claims of malice. The president and a lot of his defenders have had uh, this lengthy row with big tech. Um, The hearings that that were held last week as of this recording were uh, notable in that lots of members of Congress didn't really seem to understand a lot of the tech terms that they were using. Um, The president, likewise, uh, makes reference to uh, the ways in which he is treated poorly by uh, big tech companies, especially platforms that are designed for speech, what has he asked the FCC to do? Well, back
1: in the beginning of June, the president issued an executive order directing NIDA, the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, to petition the FCC to essentially reinterpret Section 230. Section 230 is an intermediary liability protection that prevents platforms from being treated as the publisher or speaker of what you or I may post to them. So if I were to slander you on Facebook, that's my problem, but it isn't Mark Zuckerberg's. This executive order essentially attempts to limit platforms' ability to set and enforce rules for their own platforms. It would limit their ability to Moderate content by reinterpreting certain parts of Section 230 that empower platforms to do this.
0: Section 230. This is the of the Communications Decency Act. Yes, uh, which is known widely as the words that created the internet. Now, uh, Section 230 essentially tells interactive computer services wherever they may be that uh, they will not be held liable for content that is placed there by users. Is that fair?
1: Indeed. And and a second part of the statute empowers those platforms to take whatever actions they see fit to moderate their platforms, removing anything that might be obscene, lewd, or, as the statute reads at present, otherwise objectionable. And this executive order and NIDA petition specifically seeks to reinterpret and really limit that otherwise objectionable language, presenting it as essentially an add-on or encapsulation of the preceding language concerning obscenity and violence. But in practice at the moment, it's used to moderate much more than that.
0: Okay. So for uh, firms that that may be subject to allegations of bias from an executive agency in the federal government or a group like the FCC what should be what is top of their mind
1: well in in looking at these new potential constraints and again the FCC would have to take this up and issue rules on on the basis of it but it would really less be their moderation of explicitly political content one way or another, and more their catch-all moderation of novel abuses that aren't necessarily violent or obscene that would end up suffering. Things like limits on pro-anorexia content aimed at teen girls. That falls into that otherwise objectionable category, but isn't necessarily violent.
0: So... uh y- I don't think Twitter or Facebook or Reddit want to uh, present their websites to advertisers uh, where that kind of content might be presented. Well, and that's a big
1: driver of moderation across the board Um, from the ad apocalypse on YouTube back in 2016-17 in response to jihadist videos posted on the platform, um, you've seen instances in which paid advertised content appeared alongside something that the advertiser found offensive, leading to really substantive rule changes or crackdowns on the part of these platforms because advertisers,
0: uh, above all, they need to keep happy. That's their business model. Is there any executive agency like the Commerce Department or a commission like the FCC that has any kind of working definition of the word bias in the way that the the president would like uh, the feds to, uh, you know, put the hammer down on a lot of these big tech firms? I think it's very difficult to come
1: up with anyone standard of bias, and were the government to do so and to try to decide on and publish such a thing, I think you'd run into First Amendment concerns very quickly, because the government would be selecting some set of platform beliefs, essentially, that then constituted bias, and platforms would be somehow limited um, from being able to govern their platforms in line with whatever set of values was understood to constitute bias.
0: So what is the proper role of the FCC here? The the president has asked the FCC to take specific action, but it doesn't seem like it's something the FCC can do. It's
1: far from certain that the FCC has any authority to reinterpret 230, particularly in such a sweeping fashion. And it's concerning to see a Republican administration taking this up not long after we had a debate about the FCC's ability to impose Title II-style net neutrality regulations on internet service providers. If the FCC can't, on one hand, impose neutrality requirements on ISPs, it's hard to see how they can turn around and impose similar neutrality requirements or must carry requirements on platforms.
0: What's the parallel here between the fight that we had not that many years ago over so called net neutrality and uh, this idea that big tech firms themselves are privileging some voices over others?
1: Well, in both cases, you're talking about essentially a must carry demand. Someone is saying, not only should this ISP or this platform be required to host my content to give me platform, but that in many cases, it ought to deserve the same priority as someone else's content. And it's an imposition upon the platform's ability to serve its users in whatever way it it sees fit or that it thinks they'll most enjoy or to prioritize resources, really.
0: And yet uh, conservatives who are complaining now were on the other side when it came time to regulate internet service providers.
1: Yes, indeed. And it becomes hard to fend off accusations of of hypocrisy when um, you see this sort of turnabout around what is philosophically
0: Um, essentially the same issue. When Parler uh, came onto the scene, which uh, I should say didn't come onto the scene, when it became popular among conservatives to say, I'm leaving Twitter, I'll see you guys on Parler, which is a Twitter-like service, uh, I I went over there and and looked around and saw that it was... um, almost without exception uh republicans uh self-described conservative republicans although i'm not sure that they would have qualified even a few years ago for that title uh but it, but almost universally it's uh you know articles from Breitbart, pe- people us senators who fancied themselves uh uh conservative republicans the diversity of viewpoints expressed there was uh, very limited and and that seems that seems like it if that's what it's going to be that's that may be fine but it uh it it felt very small and very sparse and uh maybe that's on purpose so so what are what are the problems for parlor if they become like a twitter
1: well at the moment while they're ostensibly uh a free speech alternative to Twitter it does seem as though they are a conservative alternative to Twitter in practice at the moment it makes it fairly easy to govern and to govern liberally there are a few conservative sacred cows that your users probably care a lot about but beyond that you're small you don't have all that much conflict and everyone's generally shares the same value set however As Parler scales, just as other platforms have scaled, gets more users and the kind of once in a million events, the novel misuses that drive platforms to come up with a new rule to cover that exception that they hadn't thought of before happen more and more frequently. So it'll be very difficult for them to maintain this stance as they grow. At present, they can rely on the kind of wishy-washy U.S. court standard of obscenity, say, and maintain a constitutional approach. But when you start to see novel forms of obscenity that perhaps the courts haven't encountered yet, then parlor will have to start making those decisions, and that'll be a hard job.
0: And when, when firms like that scale, they become more expensive to operate— and they have to have a source of revenue, and then suddenly they're accountable to the people who would like to advertise there.
1: Exactly. And as, as they grow, become more expensive, and hire more moderators, it's harder to maintain the, the kind of uniformity of judgment that you might want. Different moderators will interpret the rules differently. They may not have read that section You may have hired out that work to a third party. So the perception of bias can creep in, even if the rules aren't biased in their intention or design.
0: Will Duffield is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.